This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Confessions are hard, especially when you're a Christian. And when you're a Christian in Hollywood, forget about it. It's still Tinseltown, baby. Listen, Glam, nothing is what it really seems. I don't know about you, but my natural tendency is to hide my skeletons, not parade them down the red carpet, Believe me, I would rather drink castor oil and put all my business in the streets. But there's freedom in frankness, and any freedom that we gain as a result of my openness, worth it to me. You don't have to tell me. I know my life is crazy. My church folk don't understand why the preacher needs to act, and my industry folk don't understand why the actor needs to preach. Hollywood Christian, they say. Why would you call yourself Hollywood Christian? That's like Team Edward, Team Jacob, and Twilight 2. Or Democrats versus Republicans. No, no, no. Apollo Creed, Rocky Balboa. Can't you see it? Christian in one corner, Hollywood in the other, ready to pummel each other to pieces. <laughs> you want to know how can you navigate both worlds? How can you excel in your career without compromising? How can you follow your dreams without losing your faith? Welcome to the tightrope that is my life. <laughs> you ready for this? Come on. OMG, it's one of the twins. Tia or Tia? No. <laughs> no, it's Naima from American Idol! No. Oh, it's Naima from America's Next Top Model? No. <laughs> Which Naima are you? Naima Lett, Hollywood Christian. And these are my confessions. Welcome to The Table, where we discuss issues of the relationship between God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director of Cultural Engagement for the Howard G. Hendricks Center for Christian Leadership and Cultural Engagement. And with me is Dr. Reg Grant, who runs the Media Arts Program here at DTS. And our expert who we're interviewing today is Naima Lett, who is an actor in Hollywood, and she is with us by Skype. Naima, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I love, love, love being back, even if it's via Skype. Well, it's amazing <laughs> that we can do this. We couldn't even think about doing this years ago, so we're excited to have you with us. And we'll just dive right in. Let's talk a little bit about what you do out there in Hollywood. You've got your fingers in lots of pies, so uh, let's talk about uh, about what you what you do in California. Wonderful. Well, my husband and I, Kevin, um, we have a production company called Let's Rise Productions, and uh, we produce and write, and uh, cre and at this point are creating a series, and uh, I am also a professional actor. So um, while I am creating work on the production side, I am also still auditioning and uh, getting work as an actor on the, the uh, different Hollywood sets and, and television and film that's also here. And then the third thing that we do, of course, is the ministry that we have uh, with Hollywood Christian Ministries and Hope in the Hills. 
and uh, that's here in Beverly Hills. And uh, we mentor artists and lead artists, and uh, we're having a ball doing that as well. Oh, wow, that's great. Now, Reg, talk about how you met Naima. How, how did you come across Naima? Naima and I uh, met, I believe that uh, was Malachi Williams a, a, a transition between us, Naima? Actually, I think it was Max McLean. Ma- Max McLean, okay. Um, uh, Max McLean runs the Fellowship for the Performing Arts out of uh, Manhattan now, mm-hmm. and uh, Max is a wonderful actor in his own right. Naima worked with Max and was touring, and I heard about her. She contacted the school. We got together, and she's a she's a wonderful dancer. She's an actor. She's a singer. She's a, she's got the whole package. So I said, man, this would be a, a great lady to have in our program. She looked into the program and uh, praise God she came and mm-hmm. we we have had a, a great relationship ever since. And and I mean Naeem is the kind of person that you say, you know, here's the football, there's the goal line, hundred and five yards down the field, just your goal is to get there. You must and, be playing Canadian football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she receives the ball back in the end zone, man. Just get out of the way because yeah. she's going to take it across. Uh, so you just, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't mess with a good hitter uh-huh. uh, in baseball. Yeah. And Naima, you just kind of say, okay, go. Mm-hmm. And just watch her take all of this this great Bible and theology that we teach here at the seminary and apply it to her art, her craft, and then see how that transitions into her love for people. Because you heard her say just a minute ago, she's got this great professional work ethic, but it's not divorced from life. It's how do the how does her life and her work, how do they integrate in a way that's going to reveal Jesus Christ? So now our understanding is Naima is actually the first graduate of that program. Is yes, that correct? She is. She yeah. is the very first graduate of the of the program. I'm so happy to say that. And she looks so young that the program itself must be pretty young. Yeah, well it is it was uh, two thousand five was our very first year, our inaugural year, and Naima was the very first person to walk across that graduation stage with her diploma in hand. Well, that's great. Well, if you can't tell from both the introduction and just the walking through the background, uh, our topic today is cultural engagement in the arts. And uh, what we want to do is discuss uh, some of what Naima is doing out in California, but we want to use it as a lens to talk about how Christians can engage in the arts and the way in which that works itself out. So, Naima, let's talk first about uh, what you're getting ready to do. Uh, my understanding is you're getting ready to launch a, a production into a series of shows, and the title is just so wonderful, I'm going to let you give it. A- and tell us about, about what's involved in, in getting started in that way. Wonderful. Well, the title, <clears throat> the title is actually taken from uh, the book and the series that I've been writing called Confessions of a Hollywood Christian. And I started on this probably in 2009, I believe. So it's taken some time to get to this place where we're now ready to actually produce the series. And we've already produced um, uh, the trailer, which I believe uh, you'll see and or have seen at this point. And um, at this point, what we're doing is we are um, uh, cleaning up the writing of at least three or four episodes that we're launching with and we want to be in pre-production with by the summer. So all of these pieces of the puzzle are coming together with my production team. And um, I, I was uh, saying earlier that um, I'm so excited that my director and producer have moved from the East Coast. They're now on LA soil. They're in La La Land. So <laughs> that's always a good thing. And uh, Kevin and I are just really thrilled uh, to be um, to be pulling together this series. and. We, we actually uh, decided to do it in series format as opposed to just a feature film. So this will literally keep us working, and um, it'll, it's, it's a project that will keep us working for a couple of years. Now, um, just for people who don't know what's involved in, in producing something like this, you said you started writing the book in 2009, is that right? Yes, that is correct. So I started, I started the first book in 2009, mm-hmm. and uh, we will be releasing it this year. Um, and um, I, I, I assumed that most people, I, I guess this is what I found out later, like when I would talk to other authors that, you know, have gone through the process, they would, 
you know, they would ask me, okay, oh, you're writing a book. Okay, great. Well, who's writing it? And I'm like, I'm writing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, some people have ghost writers, although yeah, I don't right? believe in ghosts when I write. But anyway, right. go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like these are my stories. This is this is the journey of um, literally um, be, becoming a a Hollywood Christian. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll never forget it. My last semester uh, at Dallas Seminary, um, I, I I I won't say who said this to me, but <laughs> someone did. <laughs> Someone said, you know, what you're doing with the with the arts and the Bible is great, you know, but what about the rest of the world? What about the artists that are not going to step foot in the church? What about, um, you know, the rest of our culture that really needs the truth? You know, like, like what do we do there? And that was a, a seed um, that sprouted. And uh, Kevin and I talked about it and really said, okay, at that point, Point and, and I know I get this question all the time, like, how did you go from seminary to Hollywood? Like, how did you... That's right. Most people <laughs> like, do not connect those two things directly, and we don't offer a degree, you know, in, you know, you know so... <laughs> how did you go from graduated from Dallas Seminary to Hollywood? Like, what was that transition? And I said, well, the seed that was planted literally sprouted, and the Lord watered it. The Lord watered it to the degree that we have a heart for artists. We love artists because we are artists. Um, I'm an actor and producer and writer, but my husband is a music producer, you know? Mm. So between the two of us, like our very first production, we always say was like our wedding. You know, it wasn't just like, you know, we're gonna walk down the aisle. We had choreodrama, people were dancing, there were people, you know, reciting stuff. It It was a huge, production so to speak and we loved it so we love creating together um so the lord has used that to to a certain degree but yes so i started writing in 2009 and finished the book um went through the the thrilling process of getting different offers and whatnot from the traditional publishers um and then also like you know that wonderful process of of learning everything that there is about the um the publishing side of the business um, and then we decided to just bring it in-house because we really want to produce the series and keep the rights. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yep. So um, in having to go the traditional route, we would have to literally give over uh, the rights, and we really wanted to produce this series ourselves. So we're going to produce everything through our production company, Let's Ride. Well, where my question was going was uh, was most people don't realize how long it takes from the conceptualization of doing something to yeah. the point where you actually see it. Uh, that that this you know they think uh, oh you just get in a room and do it uh, and uh, really you're talking about a process that's years and probably when it's all said and done, if you get it done, it's a half a decade. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah, Naeem is an overnight success that took 10 years to get there. I mean, that, there are so many overnight successes in Hollywood that have that are a quarter century in the making. And the, part of what I want to get to, mm-hmm. and I want you to think about this in your response here, Naima, is what do you tell a, a young person who is a, uh, you know, grew up in the South but has a gift? Yes. What would you tell them the best thing that they can do uh, I know you're going to say patience is one thing, but what can they do best to prepare them to make an impact for Christ and a living at the same time in L.A. as an actor? Okay, so this is what I do tell uh, the young artists that uh, that are either getting ready to move to Los Angeles or have moved to Los Angeles and they find us. I say to them, it's going the first two years. The first two years is building a solid foundation that you will work on for the rest of your life if you decide to stay here. But it's going to take at least two years, right? So don't stress, don't get worried, don't start thinking, oh my goodness, why am I not getting auditions? Why am I not getting work? Because what I found is that most artists get discouraged and leave within that two year Mm -hmm. period because things haven't jumped off the way that they wanted them to, right? So if, if we can lay a foundation that the first two years 
is going to be just legwork, get a survival gig, right? So you get a survival job so you can pay the bills. You know, homelessness is not cute. Starvation right. is cute. That's right, not so, recommended. You know, <laughs> the not lie. Yeah. If you go into an audition and you are starving, the people will know it. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot go in with desperation. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a survival gig in which you're able to pay the bills. And I always tell people, find something that you love. Like, we're not just, you know, one, um, one-dimensional people. Like, all of us, yes, we're artists, but there are other things that we can love to do that we can make money at on the side while we're making, you know, to make a living mm. while we're pursuing the dream. So, you know, get just literally get the survival work, find a place where, you know, you can keep the lights on and preferably with, you know, with other people as well. So you need community because that's the other thing. A lot of people deal mm. with loneliness here that mm-hmm. we deal with. Um, but after that, focus on the first two years building a solid foundation where you're one, you know, training the way that you need to to be able to get work in LA because it's a little different than other regions. And then two, building the network. Mm-hmm. People work here because people know you. So whenever, you know, people start asking me, how do I get work? How do I get work as an actor? I ask them, how many people know you? How many casting directors trust you? How many directors trust you? How many producers know you by name? Because those are the people who work. Okay, right? what do you do to earn that trust? What, besides having just talent to act, what do you do to earn that trust so that they will ask you back again the next time? To earn the trust, you've got to work. So you have to build a body of work, and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, already on television and film. But here's the great thing. In all of the regions of our country, there are there's production going on. With the incentives that have gone out, Louisiana, 30%, Dallas, mm-hmm. I think, 30%, New York, I know, at this point, it's like 25%, 30%. Like, um, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, 35%, I believe, is something astronomical. You can get work in some of the smaller markets to begin to build a solid resume. By the time you get to Los Angeles, every actor should already have at least three or four professional things on their reel, you know, unless they're really, really young. Now, if you're, you know, if you're 16 or 17, come on, you can, you know, you're fine because you can get your foot in the door and and they, they realize you have time. But if you're moving, say, after college age, then you, you have to have some experience. You have to have a resume. And, um, and it doesn't have to be a long resume. It just needs to be able to show a casting director or a director or producer that when you get on the set and you're across from Will Smith or Tom Cruise, you're not going to faint, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, how, how important is it to, and, and did you have an agent before you went, and how important is it for a beginning actor to have an agent either before they go out to L.A. or immediately after getting to L.A.? Um. I actually did have representation when I moved, um, but that was because I had been going back and forth between L.A. and um, and Texas um, before we moved to L.A. So I had representation when I got here. That's not always the case, but that shouldn't deter anybody. If you actually have a reel with two or three solid performances and resume, you know, with some solid credits that can say, look, I have worked, I know what I'm doing on the set, because time is money and money is time. Mm-hmm. That's the way our business works. Nobody's gonna put you in their film or television show if you're going to waste their money, you know, or waste their time. So if you can prove to people that you have the work and you have some training and you have the charisma, like you, you and you and you're likable. I tell people all the time, like people get hired because other people like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this bitterness thing comes from. Like, I meet these bitter actors and I'm like, okay, chill, you know, go do something fun for a little while, you know, re- reconnect with life and, you know, and the Lord and, and, and find the beauty in life because that's attractive, you know, mm-hmm. that's attractive. And, and people, I mean, we're on the set for 12 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be on a set for 12 hours, you want to be on the set with people that you like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you do non-union shoots, Naima, or are you restricted pretty much to union work? Yeah, so I'm union, so our show will be union, um, and I'm restricted to union, but L.A. is a union town. So um, you can do non-union if you are in some of the smaller markets. 
But once you move to Los Angeles, you, you pretty much have to be in a union. You can build your work in non-union shows. Though. You can build your reel with some non-union work, right? Yeah, and I tell people all the time, do you know, do student films, do independent mm-hmm. films. There are always filmmakers who are looking for good actors to use in their work. So you can you can get where and then now, wow, I mean we're living in a time where you can get your own producer mm-hmm. and your own writer and you can you can actually get something filmed yourself. You know, I, I always say make sure it's a great quality because you don't you don't necessarily want something of poor quality to be the example of what you're giving to people. But um, it's, a, it's a wonderfully creative time that we live in now where things have shifted. The studio system has basically changed. It's just changed. And with, with YouTube and Vimeo and all of these other um, tools that we have at our disposal, you can, you can get your work done. And I also ask people, would you do it if nobody was paying you to do it? Because that gets to motive. And um, I, I really encourage, encourage artists to know what their motive really is. Now, if you move to L.A. and you just want to be famous, mm, probably not the greatest motive in the world. Mm-hmm. Because what happens when you don't get the job? What happens when you don't get the auditions? What happens when you don't become the next Julia Roberts, Halle Berry? You know, like what happens then? Your world is destroyed. Um, fame can own the, the chasing the chase for fame can only sustain you for a, a small amount of time. And and that kind of chasing is life consuming. And you really like I've seen artists um, just become hollows of themselves chasing after fame. It is um, as uh, our wonderful um, uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes would say, like it's vanity, you know, it, it's just complete vanity. So um, I, I encourage people to really know, like, if you're a true artist and you've decided to do this and, and you can't do anything else, then come make a go at it, you know, and understand that our purpose is tied to something bigger. You know, like when I go on the set, I'm not just going on the set because, mm-hmm. of course, I have to be good at what I do. And I, and I am. Um, but I'm also there to make relationships. You know, and to and to get to know people. And again, it's 12 hours. <laughs> We're not shooting for all 12 hours. We probably shoot for about two. <laughs> and the rest of the time is set up and hair and makeup. And, you know, they're shifting and resetting the lights and resetting, you know, it's move this and uh, duh. So um, there's another 10 hours to get to know people. And that's the time that I find absolutely fascinating. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Mm. Now, um, I'm, I'm kind of walking us through your production, and then we'll talk about the art that's involved. Um, so you're now at the point where everything's just about written. You're getting ready to tape your first shows. That is going to take you about, a, about another year, basically? Right. So we will um, – hopefully we'll be in pre-production by the summer. And um, we want to be wrapped with those by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, between now and, and the wrapping of everything will be by the end of the and year. And then you have to turn around and get someone to say, we want to show this, right? <laughs> That's kind of the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the great thing is we've been building relationships, and um, we do have uh, some really good relationships in place that we believe um, will factor into it. We, we believe it won't be so hard um, as long as we can prove uh, audience and like, okay, again, back to the underlying, um, the underlying uh, rule, so to speak, of, of what our industry is built on is how much money can we make off of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, I'm not saying that's a godly thing. It ain't, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is the Hollywood system. So if other people understand that they can profit from what you're doing, then it's a lot easier to, to make that sell. So we're we're not worried in the least um, about distribution. We believe that we'll be able to get it. So realistically, from start to finish, uh, if everything goes smoothly, we yeah. probably wouldn't see this until, what, 2014, 2015? Right. The beginning of next year is what we're looking at. Yeah. And things along the way so the great thing about it being our production company and um, us producing it 
Um, we have a wonderful online community that and we, that we've been building, um, and particularly through uh, the daily blogs that I do about Hollywood and faith uh, on my site. Um, we have a, a really robust online community, so we will drop things along the way in the same way that we did the trailer. Um, so you know, uh, our uh, constituents don't necessarily have to wait the entire year to be able to see what we're doing, um, but at that point. At, you know, at least we want to have the package together and ready so that we can roll them out. Boom, 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 boom. Like we don't want to re release an episode and then you have to wait for two months to get the next episode. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so my, and then the point that I'm trying to make here by is that to invest in a piece of art that people yeah. see takes an incredible amount of time and energy, not to mention the production. We haven't even talked about the backside of this, which is, you know, who does the filming, right. the crew, the, the cast, and the right. crew, all that kind of – I mean, this, this is a – I actually – go when I go to a movie, uh, I have the habit of sitting and watching the credits at the end mm -hmm. because I want to – I actually want to, to think through how many people did it take to do this. And mm -hmm. um, there are, and, and whether you know it's it's something like Les Misérables, which we just saw, mm -hmm. which in which the credits go on forever and ever and ever because you've got you know this is stage adapted for the movie, or the one another one that's always interesting is when you do a, something an animated feature and you see all the technicians mm -hmm. that go yeah. into making what's happened happen. There's just a, there's a huge uh, effort to yeah. to put that in front of people. That's why it's so expensive in part. That's true. Um, I say that it's the best um, operation of teamwork that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, as the body of Christ, we can learn a lot from the teamwork that takes place uh, in, in a Hollywood production because it, there, it, there's no such thing as an island. You know, mm -hmm. no, no man in an island really is, is the saying. Um, you can't do it alone. Like, you really do have to have a team. Um, if you want to turn out a product that is, you know, that that is uh, exceptional. So, um, and for all the pieces and people to come together, you are on a daily basis working with a team of people, and it's it's life. You're doing life together, mm -hmm. you know. And um, and the, you know, the thing is, the key is everybody is, um, you know, uh, serving. So uh, what they say is they're serving the story, you mm -hmm. know, so to speak. Um, and so everybody's invested in the story and everybody wants to do the best for the story. And so at that point, you have this incredible team of people working. Uh, so we thank, yeah, thank you so much for watching the credits. We do that as well, um, because it does take a lot of people to produce, um, any one work. It takes, you know, even when we did the trailer, we shot the trailer in two days. We had a 30 person crew, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 30 people involved in that for a two day shoot for something that turned out to be less than three minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, I, I think most people have no idea what goes in, into that, just like they have very little idea what goes into a, a television news documentary and everything that's involved with that. <coughs> Let me transition. Uh, yeah. Let's talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this this second half in kind of two parts. I'm gonna talk about the art and what you hope to achieve by being involved in the arts, okay. and then I want. I want to talk about choices. What yeah. the choices that you face as a Christian in the arts that are so, always so easy, aren't yeah, they? Exactly. They're always so easy. <laughs> exactly. 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 So let's talk about the art side first. Why? Well, the the universe question. Why be an artist? Yeah. Right. Why be an artist? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked her that because I've been wanting to know. So please. <laughs> You can answer that question. No, no, no. no, 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 no. He's already see. done it. So that's what we're, now we're going to check your answer against his. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. 
Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, so I'll answer that in two parts. Um, I believe that artists are born artists. I believe that, um, that there's a creativity inside of us and we're born to express that creativity. Um, I haven't met an artist yet who, um, who had that, uh, that creativity in them that felt like they were fulfilling their purpose if they were not doing some part of that creativity. So I believe that God has gifted uh, some of us with, with a sensitivity and a need to express, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the second part of that is I believe that as artists, we, um, we get to impact and influence and articulate to the world um, what it's like to live in this world. So I believe we're the kind of image bearers, you know, the icons of God, so to speak, who are the storytellers who get to bring truth into people's lives um, mm-hmm. through our art and through our creativity. So I believe that uh, we have an incredible uh, responsibility as artists um, to to articulate back to the world. We basically hold up a mirror to our world and say, this is what it looks like to live. So, and by doing so, we help people to sort through life. How, really how, how much of that, and, 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 and I'm going to engage you on this because I think it's an interesting yeah. observation. How much of that is a mirror reflecting what life is, and how much is it a mirror of reflecting what life can or could be? I think it's both. And so here's, I'm, I love that you asked this question. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? Um, I watched, coming up to this award season, I watched 22 films in 30 days, okay? 22 screenings in 30 days of the 60 that are up for uh, different awards this season, hmm. okay? And what I said after probably, a, you know, about day, tw- about day 18 or 19, I wrote a blog that was called uh, Hollywood Needs More Hope. Like, we, our award films need more hope. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wrote that, Daryl, is because on the one hand, Yes, we are we are mirrors and we're reflecting what life is. But there were at least half of the films that I saw, they were dark. They were about how, you know, how terrible we are as human beings, how twisted we are, how, you know, how messed up we are. And it was depressing. So, like, <laughs> I was looking for the lay mans. Like, I was looking for, uh-huh. like, what? Hope. Where's the hope? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So the the other part of that is I believe that those of us who are called uh, to this area of media and the arts, who are light bearers of Christ, we believe that the Messiah is the answer. I believe that we understand that we can portray art and we can portray life as it should be. Right. So mm-hmm. we can yes show the truth. We can show how tough life is, but isn't it great when we show that sliver of hope, you know, by the end that it doesn't have to be this way? Like, we have something that we're looking forward to. We have a hope. We have a future. You know, we have uh, a perspective that this ain't it. You know, like this, yes, we are broken people who live in a broken world, and we can make films all day long about how broken we are. Yeah. But what, you know, what's next? What's mm-hmm. end? You know, so um, I came to the conclusion that I probably, probably next year will not do 22 films in 30 days. I'm going to have to stretch those out because um, I can do a good two or three dark ones before I, you know, and, and I can do a, two or three of those a month. It was just like half of them or over half of them were really, really dark. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what we're doing here. So great filmmaking nonetheless, but I, I wish for us and I wish for my community here in Los Angeles, um, the, the understanding that we can portray what life can be also, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I think people and I think people get that. Like when we look back over the year and we look at the films that did the best in the uh, in the box office, there were films where either you know good conquered evil or 
you know, there was a, a, a hopeful love story or, you know, somebody won, you know, like the ones that did the absolute best were the films that had some sort of lifting mm-hmm. of who you are. And I believe that's what people yearn for. You know, you know? But Stanley Williams, Stanley Williams hits that in the moral premise. Uh, he 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 points out that the most successful films in Hollywood have a spine to them, have a moral premise at at their core, and that those films that abandon that principle suffer financially. So it makes good financial sense to have a moral premise. Good financial sense. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it it does suggest that people uh, go to the movies not merely to be entertained. Uh, but uh, the the movies that really work are the movies that make us reflect uh, positively or negatively about life and, and and give us pause and make us think about uh, about issues that are important. I mean, I've been I've been watching the the net um, all the reaction to Les Mis, which I've seen both on stage and in screen, and yeah. it's a very different experience, by the way, to see it on the stage versus seeing yeah. it on screen, in part because of the choices that were made in the film production to do right. everything up close and almost in your face, yeah. as opposed to on the stage where you automatically have to deal with distance, which is a whole interesting use of space that we, if we were more philosophically oriented in this broadcast, we could spend a lot of time talking about. I don't want to go there but uh, but I just want to make the observation that that uh, watching people articulate how they react to the message within Les Mis and the reactions uh, uh, to the main characters who are so contrasted to one another in the way they go about engaging in their lives. Um, uh, you know, as great as the music is, and the music's fantastic in that in, in that movie, uh, the words of the music is, uh, are amazing. I I'm, I'm marvel at people who did you find write yourself music. Did you find yourself finally understanding most of the words? Because I've seen Les yes, Mis four or five exactly. times. Exactly. And in the, I, in the film, I said, "That's what he's saying." Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, that happened yeah. to me. That happened to me a lot. And I've seen. We've seen. This is one of our favorite plays. So we've seen this play. I think three or four times. Uh-huh. And so you know, we finally went to the movie, and 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 the experience was just so different. We happened to get. We have the place was so packed. We were on the first row. So I mean, so crane neck. But anyway, uh, but the whole. My whole point is, is that what makes part of what makes Les Mis such an interesting film is that it's not just entertaining. It is it is a story that leads you to reflect on choices you make in your own life and how you treat people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to me, the best art. Uh, does those kinds of things for people, and so you walk out and you you want to talk about uh, not just is so and so such a great actor? Can they sing? But but uh, you know what about the 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 choices that were being made by by the various characters uh, with such a range of characters? You know something story. something that that you can comment on here, at Naima too, and something that you and I have both experienced is you and I have both seen Les Mis multiple times. And I think a movie like Les Mis that has hope as a and a redemption uh-huh. as a as such a strong current right. and theme invites repeated viewing I'm like i don't go back to see the dark ones yeah i, I as a matter of fact i shun i, I say well, yeah, okay. i was done with friday the 13th when i saw the title. yeah right when it was still <laughs> friday the 12th right yeah. uh, so the is is part of yeah. your conscious goal your intentionality in choosing roles uh, this uh, this element of hope, this element uh, a redemptive kind of a quality to the film, assuming you're given the privilege of even knowing what the full script is. I mean, that's another challenge that you've got, right? Yeah, that's true. And um, that's what I was going to say about Les Mis as well, and then some of the other movies that have done the absolute best in terms of our, our Hollywood community. Uh, there's, a, there's this message of redemption. And um, we find that message, we found that message, the movie that did the best this year was The Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. So, but redemption was in The Avengers. Somebody was willing to give up their life for, for the people, mm-hmm. you know? And when he did so, and I'm at this point, I hope I'm not giving it away. If you have not seen The Avengers at this point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hello! <laughs> but um, 
But, um, you know, whether it's the Avengers or Les Mis or um, Skyfall, you know, 007, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was all about, you know, what do you do? I'm into resurrection. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like somebody coming back, you know what I mean? Like somebody dying for the people and coming back alive. Um, it's so core and uh, resonates so deeply within us. Um, and I believe it fills that God space, that God story that each of us yearns for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, yes, I think that uh, particularly in our work, we are very intentional about producing work that touch on um, that redemptive quality or at least give people hope. And, and, and actually, I actually believe that, you know, there is a space for entertainment, too. Like, right, absolutely. There are some films that I've seen where we just went and laughed, you know what I That's mean? Right. It was just laughter is good medicine, you know, <laughs> like I didn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't deep, you know, it was just, you know, we just went and had a good time. But even um, good comedy, even good comedy touches on life. That's the, uh, yes. that, that's, that's, it's in reality. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's something that's based in truth that, that we, um, that we can then kind of move forward with, you know what I mean? So um, I asked this question um, uh, on a, a post I did a couple of days ago with the most watched video in history being this Gangnam Style, yeah. you know, of which none of us really know. I mean, I did look up the English transversion, uh -huh. the English translation, uh -huh. um, but nobody really knows what he was saying. You yeah. Know, it's a silly video. And yeah. I'm, well, I guess, you know, in our day and time, he said he made the video because he wanted people to laugh and have a good time and forget about the, how bad the economy was. And I guess it worked. Yeah. But once I looked at the lyrics, I was like, yeah, this is not what you singing, you know, what you think about is not necessarily something that I think I want to think about. But, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. yeah. but, um, but it just told me that in terms of our culture, people are looking for a lifting. They're looking for hope. They're looking for a lot, you know, something that's lighter because many people are dealing with, uh, things that are really hard in life. Does that make sense at yeah, all? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in terms of choosing roles, Reg, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, um, when I have had to uh, choose different roles and make decisions about what will I choose and what won't I choose, um, actually, I made those decisions in my quiet moments, you know, writing in my journal before I ever went back and, and uh, went back into the industry. Right. So I had a quiet conversation with myself about what are my lines? What are my morals? What will I do and what won't I do um, for the sake of my craft? Right. And that came back to who I am as a person, Naima, and who God has created me to be. Um, because I am in full time ministry, because I serve the Lord, um, there were some things that I knew um, would cause um, great confusion if I lent my image to them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So for example, um, I told my, you know, my very first agent when I went back into um, television and film, I told my agent, you know, I'm not going to be sliding down a pole. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I can dance if there's something, you know, that has to do with ballet, modern, um, you know, any type of dance that is classical or modern or, or, you know, anything like that, it's fine. But I'm not going to be able to do the pole stuff. You know what I mean? Because there will be a disconnect. Like mm -hmm. people at that point will not be able to um, be able to trust the word of God coming out of my mouth if they then see my image attached to something where they can't mm -hmm. they can't understand. Well, if you if you're speaking God's word, why are you slide down a pole? Mm -hmm. You know. So there's a there's a leap that that some people will not make. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of who we are and our faith. And I tell you, there are a lot of Christians here in Hollywood who are facing that disconnect right now. They are publicly saying that they believe in Christ, that they follow him, that they love the Lord. But people do not believe them because of some of the choices that they've made on screen. Now, I back that up to also say, I do not believe this concept that as Christians, we can only do Christian films. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that, right? I just don't believe that. I believe Barb Reiner was one of the first ones mm -hmm. in his Roaring Lambs to begin to really put forth this idea mm -hmm. that there are those of us who are artists, 
you know, we're called to be salt and light in the world. So let's go be salt and light in the world. We're not supposed to, you know, kind of take our ball and, and run off the yeah, place. Turn it and create an internal ghetto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, that's not it. You know, yeah. and he said something very strong in that book that changed my life. He was like, if Hollywood is dark, it's because the light left. Mm-hmm. You know? So light, come on back. You yeah. know what I mean? And it was like a call for um, believers to, to literally, like, not run from our art, but to embrace it and understand our place in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, how do you, how do, you know, I, I, there are millions of questions that pop into my mind as you're talking about this, because, I mean, obviously, if you're going to portray life and brokenness, you're going to portray sin. You're going to wow. portray sinful relationships. You're going to portray distrust and adultery and unfaithfulness and all these kinds of things. That's part of what makes up the drama of this, uh, of many of the stories of life that end up being portrayed. So how, how do you how do you sort out – I think I saw in one of the clips – now, if I got this wrong, uh, I'm, let me know – but I think I saw in one of the clips that you did have a, a, a part as a, med, as a madam in a, in a particular uh, piece, um, uh, a short – cameo but but there so h- how do you how do you sort out okay I won't do this but but this is a part of the artistic portrayal of life that I am willing to engage in right so um, to um, I'll answer that question by telling you just the brief story of the madam okay so that was for the curious case of Benjamin Button mm-hmm. which uh, won several Academy Awards right. uh, that starred uh, Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt right and that was the very first. That was my very first film role. Oh wow! Actually. Yeah, very first one um, that I did. And um, I was asked to audition for the prostitute that sleeps with Brad Pitt. Hmm. Right. That's that's what my agent wanted me to do. Hmm. Okay. And I kept saying to him, "Is there something else? Because you know I'm still in ministry, man. Like folks are folks are not going to be okay with my image, literally." Yeah. Yeah. As a prostitute who sleeps with Brad Pitt on an IMAX stage at seventy feet by, you know, yeah, right, right. Folks, not gonna be all right. Yeah, with that. you know, I won't be able to. Stand. Now, you weren't thinking of it as a coming out party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I literally, and this never happens. I had like two or three different auditions for different roles in the film, um, and the casting director just gave me a chance to to try different stuff. And I literally came to the conclusion of, you know, by the time they got to the madam, I said, does she keep her clothes on? Yeah. And, you yeah. know, like, is there no nudity involved? Is there, you know, like, is is there something in this where, and, and you know, and, yeah. and it, up, it was a couple of lines, and, and she kept the clothes on, so I'm like, okay, fine. Now, the backstory of this is I really judged that character. I did. So when I showed up on the Paramount set for my, uh, for my fitting, um, they had for me these broken suede sandals. Um, and when I put on those broken sandals, my heart broke. Mm. Um, God broke my heart. And, um, and literally the impression that I heard in my spirit was, why don't you have love for these women like I love them? Hmm. Right? So um, in that in that moment, what I realized is that in my sanctified, dignified Christian self, I was somehow looking down on and judging um, women who have lived this life. But nobody wakes up, you know, and decides, like nobody is born and decides, what do I want to do? I want to be a madam when I grow up. You know, right. like that's not how it goes down. When I actually did the research and find out and found out, like, the the percentage of women who end up in this kind of lifestyle like what they've been through the abuse the drugs like all of those different things um it completely changed me so the lord used that experience um i'm not sure that you know if i had to do it all over again it would be the same but um he did use that experience in helping me to understand the purpose of our art and the purpose of myself as an artist to bring truth to the camera and truth to the stage and um, there's there's just something about that um, that he used in my life at that time. So yes, um, I I mean there there's a line there for me. And again, I made those decisions in my quiet time. I tell people all the time, you don't make the decision about what you will and won't mm-hmm. do when you're on set. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too late then. Yeah, right. It's too late. It's too late. You have to do it ahead of time. 
Um, and for me, it, it usually involves the question of, okay, if I do this, does my witness for the Lord, is it hampered in any way, right? So if I do this role, uh, will people still believe the word of God coming out of my mouth? But that, that's, you know, that's my standard. That's mm-hmm. what I, you know, that's the, um, that's, that's how I make the choices that I make. I know other people that make different choices, but for me, um, it's all about being able to continue this, this witness and this light that I, that I'm called. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, this is just work, guys. This is a way to work and make a living and meet people and build relationships. Um, I'm accountable to him. And, you know, my, the legacy that, that we leave here, my husband and I, has everything to do with what he's called us to do. And I think that one of the, one of the things that you, that you pointed out I think is so important, and we haven't used this, the T word very much here. It's bringing truth to the, the, the camera, truth to the, the screen. Uh, somebody has to play Javert. You know, so, somebody has to play Judas. Mm-hmm. And right. that the the question that you have to ask is and I mean I, w- I was given the opportunity one time to play a um, is, is a great role in a very nice film uh, but I I was given the opportunity to play a child molester and I decided to turn it down not because it was well written good I like the director I'd worked with him before but I didn't want that confusion that you just talked about so right. even though it was a good part and certain and his sin was found out and he paid the consequences. I still didn't want that link, and that's part of the hard decision that you have to make. And that's a pocketbook decision too, because yeah. it's it's money that your family could use when you've got kids in college. And, you know, and the trouble is, if you do a good job, you'll that link will be with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That is absolutely true. And um, and I tell people all the time because I've played the spectrum. Like every character that I played hasn't necessarily been you know mm. a saint. You know what I mean? Like I played detectives and lawyers and gangsters like I've played the spectrum um but for me again it goes back to you know what is what is the overall uh arc of the story what you know what are we presenting into society is this truth you know um is there some sort of hope or something you know redemption something uh that that um lifts you know lifts us as a people by the end of the story um, and of course, for me again, you know, is this going to is this going to to mess with my witness in any way? Um, I have I've just you know, and I I can be you know, look, I'm candid. You guys know this. I don't know any other way to be. Um, I have found that people are okay in the United States and our supporters as well. They are okay with me having a gun on screen and shooting guns. Uh-huh. <laughs> they are not okay with their minister in any type of sexual things that don't involve my husband. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it became real clear real quickly mm-hmm. for me, like where, you know, where mm-hmm. the lines, the lines uh, were drawn, so to speak. Um, so um, I just kind of, you know, I, of course we pray about everything, um, but this is also the reason why we so look forward to producing our own and mm-hmm. uh, becoming a part of the, um, a, a part of the dialogue you know we are excited about being able to produce work um and bring a quality and bring conversations um to the dialogue that that may not have been there already you know so with this confessions of a hollywood christian it is literally you know being able to bring some more um just ideas to the dialogue that we're having about life and everything is based in reality and truth because a lot of it i've lived through so, um, you know, and, and a lot of the different um, scenarios actually address this very same thing that we're talking about today, which is how can you be a Christian in Hollywood? How can you be a person with faith and uh, not compromise, you know, and also be professional and do your work? And, um, and because we live it on a day-to-day basis, I think that, um, that, you know, that it will also be able to um, bring those conversations to light that so many people are struggling with and having. So, do you have a, a do you have a, a target uh, month for releasing the book, and is it going to be available in EPUB as well as uh, hardback or uh, uh, traditional? Right. So um, at this point, we want we're we're on schedule to release um, by the summer, like just before we um, we uh, began pre production. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, and all of this, you know, all of this we're praying works as smoothly as it looks on paper. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, which it won't. I just, which it won't. <laughs> I've done Problems. enough books. Yeah. I've done enough books. I can tell you it doesn't work that way. They all, you know, I do mine one at a time so that I'm editing this one piece at a time. It all shows up at the same time. It doesn't. <laughs> I do four different ones. They all show up on my desk within a week of one another. All wanting a deadline within the next two weeks to get them back. I mean, it just it it won't happen. But that's okay. It it it, it sorts itself out in the end. Let me let me ask one other question. You're you're not you're not alone. I mean, you're there are other Christians. I know the last time I went out to Talbot, I met with a group of, of writers who meet together, who talk about how they write, you know, what ends up getting on the screen. And of course, then the issue, uh, one of the issues in Hollywood is there's what the person writes, and then there's what happens to it by the mm-hmm. time it actually gets up on the screen, which is a whole nother, we could probably do a whole show just on what happens there. So so there are a lot of, there are a lot of other people who share the kinds of uh, convictions and beliefs that you have who are, who are attempting to bring art um, in in a in an edifying way, if I can say it that way, um, uh, to Hollywood. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. And we um, we have a very strong network. And um, uh, what you know, what um, I believe that our um, constituents and supporters would be thrilled to know, particularly with the Dallas Seminary family and all of those that are watching around the world, um, is that um, Hollywood is not a place where Christians are not. Like we we are here, and we are being and uh, we are being light and being salt and being used by God. Um, we're doing it in in a way that is one relationship at a time, and being mm-hmm. authentic and showing up, being excellent in what we do, being trustworthy, walking in integrity. Um, and you know, when you bring all of those things into relationship then the Lord is able to do what he will do. Um, and, and that's in any field, whether it's Hollywood or, or anywhere else in the world. So um, it, it's not a scenario where it's just, you know, because I, you know, I, I meet some people and they're like, why would you be there? Why would you like out of all the places in the world? Like, why would you? And I'm like, because this is this mm. is where my heart is. This is where the Lord has called us and where we we love it here. And if you don't love Hollywood, I would say don't come, you know, because mm. <laughs> I don't think that is a scenario where God doesn't love, you know, the people like God loves the people. Um, so, again, you know, I ask the question all the time uh, to those whom we um, we have the privilege of leading. Why, you know, can we love people like God loves people? Because he doesn't just discard and throw them out and go, oh, well, you know, they're not, you know, they're not worth, you know, they're not worthy. They're not worth it. You know, like God chases that he chased after me, you know, so I I want to, to uh, chase after um, those the way that he chases after them. And I want to love those like he loves them. And I want to love artists like he loves his artists. He gave us this creativity, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it is our privilege to use it. To impact, you know, our world. He, it's his. It's his, his gift, guys. We didn't create this, you know. Like we didn't create this stuff. Like the gift of expression and what he's given. It is a God-given thing. All good gifts come from the Father above. So in that regard, you know, we just have this wonderful privilege of being able to use it. So I tell people, like, you know, pray for us. You know, like, don't judge. Don't throw stones. You know, pray for us. Uh, pray for our community. Pray for our works. Pray for the Lord to use them to open up avenues to, to help us build relationships. Uh, pray for our resources. You know, like every on every side, we need prayer. And at any point, you know, um, we you know, there's disagreement about projects or about different things that we're doing. Talk to us, but keep praying. You know, mm-hmm. keep praying. We serve the same Lord. He is able to get us a really clear message <laughs> in the same way that he is with everybody else. So I invite people, you know, pray for us. When you look at the trades and you see an artist that looks like they're spiraling out of control, hit your knees. You know what I mean? Because that's what we're doing. We are literally, mm-hmm. um, you know, on our knees fighting for people's lives and fighting for people's, you know, very souls, you know, so... Um, it's not just, you know, haha, it's funny and, you know, they get what they deserve. Like, no, 
we believe and see God turning things around in people's lives one life at a time. Um, something I'm very, very passionate about, so I don't want to go, go on and on and on. <laughs> no, yeah. glad, glad, you, glad you're able to share. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today and to share a little bit about uh, your craft and how you view it. And I, I do hope that it has been a, a, a mirror and a window uh, for people on on – on the arts and cultural engagement and how to think about the arts and and maybe uh, rather than uh, than sometimes what we do, which is just to complain about what comes out of Hollywood, maybe uh, hopefully as a result, some people will pause and think about what's going on there, and and uh, and reflect and and uh, and and pray for folks like you who are who are seeking to entertain us, but entertain us in a way that means something, and we're very very appreciative of that. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you guys again. Good to see you, Naeem. I love to Kevin. And, and we thank you thank for you. we thank you again and we thank you as well for joining us on this discussion of the arts and cultural engagement on the table. Thanks for listening to the Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.